We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. John Van Brassen drops back. Throws an arching pass upfield. Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 feet. There's a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. It's the last day, the last day in February, and all of the sudden, all of a sudden, it is going to be March tomorrow. March, March, March. League year, getting ready to start. Oh boy. I'm here with Michael Stewart, my co-host and partner in crime. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. Doing well. If I can get my buttons straightened out here. <laughs> and the, the awkward pause of recording a podcast. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And he muted. He muted. It's always Where'd a mute button. Where'd he go, Jordan? It's Where'd always. he go? <laughs> but it is, yes, uh, February 28th. We are getting ready to start the new year. And we are looking at a quite a bit more quiet out there in Ramsland. Now that the big trade is um, not yet quite official, but pretty much it's, it's done. It's been a month. You know, we all know it's happened. You know, we saw pictures of Matt Stafford wearing Rams gear out in the boat with his wife the other day. And you know, it's all cute and dandy. And now the, the big stuff's getting ready to happen here. A contract, a TV contract, an extension for ESPN. That's reading speculation on the salary cap right now. It's not looking too hot. Maybe it'll change a little bit. We're going to find out. But the Rams have a ton of work to do on both sides of the ball heading into, that, into this offseason with all the changes that took place. And all of that in mind, Mike, what are your first thoughts? Well, the big thing is, are things going to just somewhat settle into you know a rhythm? Now things are a little bit in disarray. Uh, you got to bring some guys in. You may have to let some key guys go. You got to figure out how to jail. You got new coaches. 
So you hope that these things that have taken place in the last few weeks, months, uh, things can start settling into a direction on where the Rams really want to go. Obviously, they want to go back to the playoffs, win a Super Bowl in their own stadium this year. But at the big picture, you know, these things typically take time to jail. So uh, good thing, though, when you get a veteran quarterback in, it should be a little bit easier to transition to whatever the next is for the Rams. But again, if you have guys that like Jared Goff and they may not gel so well with Matthew Stafford, the process takes a little longer. But uh, hopefully uh, those guys in the locker room are being able to get together, break bread, find out a little bit more about each other and and build that camaraderie that you need to uh, establish a winning football program. Well, I'm just caught by a little bit what you said there. You don't think that uh, Stafford will adjust and the team, the players will adjust to him pretty quickly? Well, you hope that they do. But you got to remember, Jared's been there for the five years, right? And most of those guys catching the ball from him, uh, maybe blocking for him, you know, they've been with him. So if they were somewhat tied with him, yeah, guys try to be professional and things like that, but a lot of it still comes down to how well personalities gel. So I think Matthew seems like he's a good dude and and hasn't been anything that comes out of Detroit that says that, man, that's not a guy that you want to play with. Uh, but again, it still just takes time for people to gel and, uh, you know, get together. You just don't know how people feel. They're not going to come out and say, oh, man, they did Jared dirty or, that was my guy. You know, people try to be professional. Everybody has a family to take care of. But, you know, still, when you have a new guy, no matter what, it takes time to start building that chemistry. Well, I, I, I would tend to think that given the, given the way the whole trade went down and given the demand, I'd be willing to bet Stafford's already met with his receivers. I'm just saying, I would be surprised if he hadn't already got the phone call in, met the guys out in the field somewhere, and was throwing the ball around. You tell me, you were, right. you, that, you were on the was, field. Do you think that happened? Did, did that happen right away when you were in your well, play Well, I would think that would be the normal thing to happen, you know, but it just depends how uh, guys take the offseason. We know what Tom Brady did. <laughs> as soon as he knew he was going there, he was already on the horn setting up practices. Hey, come on, throw in my backyard. You know, let's go down to the park and let's get it going. Uh, you know, the thing that I was talking to a buddy about last night, we're talking a little bit about the Lakers and with Anthony Davis being out. And I go, there's something about when some guys come to the Lakers, L.A., City, there's just more distraction. Uh, Matthew, obviously a veteran. He's married. Not so many distractions for him. But you hope that those guys who come into now, ooh, L.A., it's the West Coast. Yes, let's go out here, see what the beach is like and this and that. You know, those types of things can be a distraction. Uh, Matthew, again, veteran. Uh, I think he's going to do well. But I'm just saying, in general, no matter what, when you take a guy who's been there for a couple years and you put a new guy in, it's going to be on the new guy and the guys who are there, one, to welcome him in. And then he has to do his part to make sure he's absolutely doing those things that you mentioned. I think it's going to happen. I think, I think it goes down. I think, I think if anything, the receivers, I think the offense is going to be fine. Actually, I think the offense is going to be just fine next year. I'm serious. You're probably thinking, what? Oh, I agree. I, I think it's going to, I, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about this because today's, I mean, the offense is going to be the focus of the episode, but I mean, I would say that the missing piece of the offense for the last couple of years has been the deep game. And whether it be offensive line, which I put more on 2019, or some of Jerry Goss hiccups, which I put more on this year, I would say those are both gone. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to hammer Goff by that last part either. I think that the Goff-McVay relationship, just the trust wasn't there. And so it, that, that change needed to happen. 
Okay, but before we, we get into all that, and there are a couple of things that we, we both kind of want to get into today. All right, folks, before we move on, I just want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And t- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Top of that, we'll help you get your show started and pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, and all those other listening platforms. Best part is you can get it all for 15 bucks a month. That's right. 15 bucks a month. The same rate any other hosting site would charge just for setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today to apply. Go to bwhustle.com forward slash join one more time. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in our episode to find out more. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, also don't want to ask you, if you haven't already, go to Apple Music, leave a five-star review. And also, if you are interested in sponsoring the show, we could really use it. We're trying to get things to the next level. Okay, so if you are interested, ramstop1945 at gmail.com. We got a media kit out, get out to you. And of course, you never know, Mike might just, you know, Give you a shout out on the podcast. Why not? Because we'd love to do that. Okay. Anyways, Mike, <laughs> a couple of things here. McVeigh. I mean, we we're gonna drop off. We're gonna we're gonna put the closing nails on Jared Goff. I know he comes up here and there, and this is pretty much the end of it. But um, earlier this week, the AP's Gray Beecham commented on this. Um, he when he. Let's just say this one. When McVeigh had his presser, it was a little bit surprising. I didn't even expect him to talk about Jared Goff at all. And instead of just talk, you know, not talking about Jared Goff, McVeigh actually went there. Totally went there. And that really did caught me, catch me off guard. I can't get my English right tonight. My train wreck. Total train wreck. So, this is what he had to say, and this is in re- this is in reference to how he feels about training his quarterback just after two years. And I'm kind of catching the quote a bit later on. He says, there's just, there's just so many things that have taken place since then. I think that I would say that I learned over the past last handful of years is changes is things changed by the day and probably want to be careful making blanket statements when you can't predict the future. He's referring to the time that he had with Goff. But in the end, here's here we go. He called it an unfair narrative around the Goff, the, around the Rams playing 
Man, I'm a mess, Mike. Around the Rams, blaming offensive regression on on uh, Goff. Do you think it's an unfair narrative? I mean, uh, I just before you even say the quote. Yeah, this <clears throat> this is where you love a guy like Bill Parcells or a guy like uh, Bill Belichick, if you will. Uh, those guys just give it to you straight, as they say, straight no chaser. You know, so McVay, he's always day one. He wants to kind of put it on him. Hey, you know, I wish I could have did more. I wish I should have did more, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we get it. We get it, McVay. But, you know, tell us the real. Oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, me and Jared have had great discussions. Okay, you've had great discussions. Yeah, no player when he leaves had great discussions. Now, if you said... You know, I talked to him, he talked to me, and then he hung up in my face. Probably would be the truth. <laughs> but this idea that we're still buddy-buddies when I'm probably the reason why you're no longer here. So I just think sometimes, and I get it, you don't want to say something or things like that, but it would just be better to say, hey, you know, Jared did well when he was here. It's now a new era. We're going to talk about that going forward and just just kind of end it. But when you start going through these, yeah, I want to self-reflect. I wish I was better for him in some instances. Hey, it's unfair. You know, you can't blame, you know, this and that. You know, guys, not that. Okay, you're just trying to kind of smooth or cover up something as opposed to just saying, hey, guys, what you want? I know you guys want to get a big story, but look, you know, this happens all the time. Everybody in this business, including myself, you know, because, again, if I'm not doing my job, you guys won't be seeing me here too much longer. That would be the truth. And people go, OK, cool. Let's move on. So, yeah, I just think you, when you start doing those things, you just cause for more questions and more. Oh, what happened? You know, as opposed to, hey, we got our quarterback here and uh, we wish Jared the best. But man, we're we're getting ready to go with with our guy Matt. Matt, he's been here. He's doing this. He's doing that. You just switch it up on him. Put it back on the the new kid, the new team. That signals to your team and everyone else, guys. We're moving forward. Let's go. You know, I just I, this is one of the times where I'm struggling with words because I'm trying to wrap my mind around how this little turn takes place. Because I, I tend to think like you do. You know, it's. Not Sean McVay's job to perform the field. It's his job to prepare his team and that's good. Live on the field. Okay. So why is right it there. his fault? Why is it his fault? So we've talked about this before. There are plenty of things to hold Sean McVay responsible for. There are. We have had our issues with him. And all that said, I think is a fantastic coach. He is the most successful coach the Rams have had in many years. I think that if you're going to be criticizing him, you better have that context with it. But he's right. not perfect. Every every he's young. He's young. We saw a few things about even even Bill Belichick this year. You know, the guy had his first year without without the big man about, about Tom Brady, and look what happened. You, you know, he had his moments. Well, he looked like a regular coach. This year, he sure did, and it's going to you know make a I lot mean? of people wonder, he just won't it? Like a regular old, and you go, "Hmm, was he that good, or is it really the quarterback?" You know what I mean? So, but again, this is the truth of any sports. You're only as good as the guys that are out there executing plays. All guys at that level can play. Can a guy run down and catch a post? Yes. Can a guy make a tackle on a guy? Yes. Can they do it consistently over a game, block this guy, pick up that blitz, do what you need to do to move the change? Can you get that, get that done out of your players, quarter in, quarter out, game in, game out, win or lose? But, you know, when you look at a guy like the guru, Bill Belichick, and shoot, their teams are giving up some points on defense and couldn't get much going on offense. But again, I still go back to it still was COVID-19 offseason. Nobody got anything done that much. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got a whole lot done that offseason. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> saying. 
But, but the truth is, if you look at the Tampa, the Bucks, though, look at how they looked the first eight games. It was like, oh, man, you know, Bruce Aarons is throwing up Tom Brady under the bus and this and that. Oh, man, they picked up AD. Oh, what are they thinking? So, but they had enough talent in the tank that allowed them to gel veteranly wise down the street, down the, the stretch, if you will. Yeah, my and point, though, Mike, is a boy. So I'm sorry, but I'm just, just I don't want, I'm just thinking. The point though for me is that they built, they did manage to build a roster that was able to do everything you're talking about. Yeah. In that off season, it, I mean, I think there was a lot of things that cost a lot of teams, but you can't tell me that Jared Goff, being the professional that he was, didn't have a whole, you know, wasn't able to do anything off season, even in COVID, to to become a better fo- football player. Well, you would think especially out here but again you see all kinds of videos of Aaron Donald and his workouts I haven't seen any of those of Jer- uh, Jared Gall now was he out there working out somewhere maybe so but why is a certain guy like Aaron Donald why is he working out next to him I mean the you video know? I want to see him is in, the, is in the locker room yeah in the film study room that's where I want to see him that's where I wish right. I would have seen it. Film study. Right. Show me right. hours of him just studying film. Right. Like him passing out with drool hanging out of his mouth you know from I mean? just the long nights watching film. That's what I wish I would have seen. And you, we know like Peyton Manning was notorious for studying film. I want that guy who's just prepared. That's who I want. Exactly. But I mean, that's kind of one of my things with Jared. I didn't see a guy that just really loves a game like that. You know what I mean? And maybe you're not in there to that degree, but something in your play, your passion, your desire to win comes out on some level. But if you're not in the film room and you're not passionate about the game, you're not trying to, you know, really make those plays down the stretch when you need to have them, then you're just a guy on the team that has potential to do whatever, because obviously you high round pick, they moved up to draft to get you. So there must have been something they saw because you would think that scouting departments, and I think we have one of the better ones, they're just not going to draft a guy that can't play. So I don't know, something happened along the line. And I just think, you know, some of these coaching changes that just kind of happened over the last couple of years might have been part of it. Or just the fact that Sean Bay uh, hoping this guy. I'm sorry, you you went in that there. What did you just the last part? What you said? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, man, I'm clear over here. Uh, I was just saying at at the end of the day, I feel like Sean McVay somewhere must have lost hope in him or lost confidence because it seemed like. That showed in how this guy would just carry himself, whether he was coming on the field, going off the field, sitting on the bench, just kind of just looking like he's at practice as opposed to, man, I got to get something done and I got to get it done this next series. Gotcha. I just am wondering where it all, like, I'm wondering going back as we're reading these McVeigh comments. Where really all where the story really is. I, I mean, I personally believe that, you know, yeah, McVeigh has some fault with it, but I put a lot on Jared. You have to develop. You have to become the professional back there. You have to be the guy. If you are being paid to be the guy, you better be the guy. And all I ever really saw was a person who was never confident in himself in those important moments. If you're not confident, you're not prepared. And that was the biggest complaint all the time was, was preparation. The, the sense I got, the sense you got, the sense that so many people got was preparation. I mean, that's, that's right. What, right. And when you look at, I mean, I mean, obviously something's going to happen with Deshaun uh, Jackson. It's not Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson at some point in time. But you look at a guy who had really nothing and you might say, well, he has a little bit more athletic ability. Okay, that may be true. But if you're going one against 11, it don't matter how good your athletic ability is, that's not going to work. Yet you have a guy that's on the defensive side saying, man, I apologize. 
for how we played as professionals over here to not even help you really. As a defensive player, we take pride in stopping those guys, getting you the ball back. And so when you see things like that, that speaks to a guy that's going out there, practice, day in, game out. There's something he's doing different to make his teammates say those things about him. Uh, I don't know that I didn't hear too much like something like that, that type of adulation, you know, shot at Jared Goss. But I'm with you, Derek. If you just don't develop at that position and it's the highest paid on the team, something's going to give. And so I just see, you know, like I said, I'm a body language expert. Not really, but I think so. But I just saw last year and the year before, it's like, man, I don't know. It don't seem like him and McVay. I just have never seen the coach who's running the offense not really talk to the guy when he comes over to the sideline. I just have never really seen that. That just seemed weird to me. I mean, well, here's the quote. There are a lot of things when I self-reflect that I wish I was better for him in some instances. Later on, unfair narrative, that's not true at all. I have a big hand in that. I have to look at myself in the mirror and take ownership of that. Sometimes you get too much credit and too much blame. But I'm not going to run away from the blame that's deserved on my end. Um, okay, and he knows later. He knows that he has talked to Goff since the trade at length. You know, you kind of poked at that a little bit. Um, I, th- I mean, I think there were times that McVay didn't do Goff any favors. This play calling. <laughs> Okay, right. But to be honest, I don't really think it's McVeigh's. I'm evolving on my thoughts on this. To be honest with you, because McVeigh's there to run the offense, and he needs the offense to run a certain way. And we've all seen what happens when McVeigh doesn't feel comfortable with his personnel. Last year's a great example of that. He couldn't do the things he wanted to do when the offensive line was struggling the way it wanted. It, he it just was. It was he couldn't call the plays we knew he wanted to call. You could see in how even the the screen numbers. Dropped dramatically. This, I mean, this needs to be an offense built around running the football and screen plays to open up the deep game. And he couldn't even feel comfortable running a running back screen anymore. I, in my view, it shouldn't be Sean McVay's job to set up the offense to make up for his quarterback's flaws that should be strengths. True, but you look at Let's look, just let's just don't get too deep about it. I think we would agree when John Walford was in there is like, wow, this offense looks kind of different. Will we agree on that? Yeah, it looked more flexible. Flexible, okay. right? Now, what a quarterback can do, a quarterback is kind of like the eraser in school for us. Oh, I spelled that word wrong. Let me just erase it. Oh. Let me just erase that assignment or whatever. But the eraser is a great thing when you make a mistake. So as a coordinator, whoever's calling the plays, yeah, you're calling the play, but sometimes it's not the best play for that situation. That's why you have audibles. If you don't have a quarterback who knows how to really get you out of a bad play and put you into a better one, that could be a problem. You have a situation where a guy like Wolford, yeah, you're in a bad position. Nobody's open, but now I can at least scramble and then go make a play. And then I live to be another down. That's belling out your coat. If you got another guy in there that he can't do that for you, yeah, you're going to look like a horrible coach. And you're looking at this guy and go, hey, man, we worked on this all week. Man, when they come out in that, you're supposed to check. Why didn't you check? Oh, yeah, I didn't see or or whatever the situation is. But sometimes you're a quarterback. Again, he's able to make you look good calling plays because he bails you out on certain things, whether he makes a right check or audible or he's able to go scramble and get a first down. And, and then you can, OK, man, I messed that one up. Thanks. I got you. But it just didn't seem like that was happening enough. And it's just like, man, all right, man, we, we've talked about this enough. Let's move on. 
horse dead beaten got it <laughs> well there was a little more too from from mcveigh this is from dylan hernandez in the la times and by the way i genuinely love dylan hernandez's work okay i i i gotta be fair and honest and just full disclosure i loathe this guy's work um but he focuses in on the rams passing game talks about Sean McVay not having anywhere to run if the Rams fail. And he's right, actually. <sighs> Might be the one time you hear me say that. He's right. In a lo- I think a large part. You know, the Rams have made so many moves in the past two years offensively that it really is, in my view, on McVay now to take that next step. You got your quarterback, you moved your 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 aging running back out there. You got the running back you wanted. You, you have a receiving core you like. You really should be able to bring back the offense you were looking for. Here's my beef with Hernandez and what he's saying. And it's, it may be, you, you could tell me, it maybe it's a case of, of semantics, but he seemed to think that it's that, that McVeigh would not throw deep, that he wasn't planning to throw deep, that they couldn't throw deep. And I would say, no, that's not the case. Goff just wasn't doing it. Goff wasn't making the call. It's not that he didn't have the ability. We've seen Goff's deep balls. Goff has a great deep ball. Very, very good deep ball. Throws the occasional duck. But for the most part, it's a beautiful ball that is he's able to locate passes that few quarterbacks the NFL can do. But the idea that I'm getting off this LA Times article is that they think that, what, the Rams just didn't do it? Just weren't going deep? It wasn't part of their offense? When, to me, it, it seems like it's always been part of the offense. you got to have someone execute. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, again, that's why I'm saying it just looks like over time, there was more of a breakdown between either the communication or, you know, picking the wrong time to try to do it or not doing it when he should. Uh, because, again, a lot of times you just see a guy go put his hat on, sit on the bench. You know, occasionally he would get the, you know, the the monitors that they use, the little uh, iPads or whatever they're using on the sideline, kind of review the plays. But. It just seemed like a lot of time he just kind of was like, again, I just think of practice when you kind of mess up at practice, you just go sit on the sideline for a minute, take a knee until, you know, your next reps come up. All right, 707. All right, we got team now. Let's go. Let's try to get it going. But this isn't practice. It's a game. You're going to win or lose based on how you're playing. And to your point, you know, you pointed out a number of times, uh, especially throughout the years, like, why are we just seem like we can't do this? We're not doing this. We're not going deep like we're using. Got, but there's there was some type of breakdown. It's not like you lost the receivers that you've had that were running the same routes the year before. It wasn't like you had a whole bunch of new guys on offense. It was pretty much the same guys. Like, how come this year seemed like we can't get anything going as opposed to last year? So. That's why I think it's going to be great to see a guy like Matthew Stafford, obviously a lot more savvy, being able to make the checks, the reads, and things like that to, one, you know, throw it to the right guy at the right time. That's that's the key. Make the, the right decision at the right time, and it just makes your offense look more dynamic. John Wolford, that's the game. The Arizona game, yes, the offense did not look good. I know that some people have heard us talk about it and said, but the offense sucked. Yeah, it wasn't great. But you'd be a fool to not be able to see that the Rams were trying to do things that they were not trying to do with Jared Goff. They were moving the ball with the quarterback on the outside more, making a more running threat. They took far more deep shots downfield. You want to complain about how the offense with John Wolford? Well, let's really consider the fact that the guy had been under center for what a week against. Yeah, I mean, you're talking a, a couple days against a, a, a very good Cardinal team, a Cardinal team that's going to be good for a while. Yes. So 
what are we really talking about with how look at what they tried to do look at the things they 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 were zeroing in on and there were things the rams couldn't zero on zero in on with golf right now not because they didn't want to because we could go back and look at the film in 2018 parks 2019 2017 golf did a lot of those things golf did a lot of them i mean i always reference the minnesota game the minnesota game in my view is his peak in terms of Showing off everything he's capable of. The throws he made in that game are money. Go back to last year's Bengals game, the 2019 Bengals game, the first half. The second half was a complete train wreck. But the first half, look at the throws he was making. The performance of of where he was. And you know what Jared Goff is capable of. Jared Goff is capable of being a top five elite quarterback in this league physically. That's not the problem. The problem is the execution, the mental aspect of it. And so when we talk about what we're seeing Hernandez writing articles about is on Sean McVay. Well, yes, but don't act like they didn't want to go deep. You had a guy who just wouldn't go deep. They wanted to go deep. They wouldn't. He wouldn't go deep. And you saw it from the moment John Wolford got in the game, the guy was taking shots. Yeah, he was. Don't act like Sean McVay didn't want to go deep. (laughs) Right, right. That's absolutely because, again, you expect a guy who's been there a number of years to be able to do it a little bit more like it's clockwork, not like you're back to your rookie year. So to me, that's what it kind of looked like golf at times last year. It's like, okay, Jared, it's not like you just got in the league now. It's not like you just learned a whole new offense. You, you've been running this offense or variation of it for the whole time you've been in the league. You should be able to, to do a little bit more than what you're doing. Now, we all can agree when Gurley was at the top of his game and the running game, and yeah, that obviously is going to always open up more of the play-action pass. But what about teams that don't really have a run game and they're still able to get the ball down the field? So, again... I'm with you in the sense that it just seemed like Jared just hit a plateau, whether it was mentally, you know, he's kind of let out. Well, you know, you kind of get the feeling when you're not wanted. Okay, Jared, what does that mean? You're in the NFL. They don't come up to you and go, hey, guys, hey, you had a tough week. Uh, You know, we're going to give you a treat and send you to the spa. No, they tell you, get your behind in gear and let's go. They don't do all that. This is not Pop Warner where everybody wins even when you lose. No, man, it's real uh, live livelihoods. You know, stuff is at stake. So if you think it's like, oh, man, you know, the coach, man, he didn't really talk to me after the game. Hey, man, you got to grow up. So, again, I think this situation is going to bode well, hopefully for him, new place or just the new challenge. Like, Jared, you better learn how to come to work and work hard and do the things that these real veterans do else you're going to find yourself at home. Now, maybe he goes, Hey man, I got plenty of money. I got more money than I ever thought I would have. And I'm cool whether I get cut the neck tomorrow. Hey, he may have that, that mindset. I mean, you can't get mad at him. Shoot. You made a lot of good money. You, you did well. You can say you was in the NFL. You can say you played in the Super Bowl. You can say all of that. Now, you might not say you got this extensive things of rings and all that, but some people, money says, you know, I've, I've reached my goal. And maybe that was his goal just to get here and play. I don't know. But I just know, to your point, you have to perform. If you don't perform, you're going to find yourself on another team. That's all it is. That's all it is. Now, to take it over the other side of here, McVeigh asked to perform now too. You got your quarterback, you got your guys, and that's one thing you can't agree with her and it's on. We, we mentioned that. You have to take this team to the next level with the personnel you got. And you're very limited in, in the personnel you're going to get, by the way. You don't have salary cap room. He has one helper, though. Cam Akers. That's another person McVeigh talked about this week. Cam Akers, he sees him as a special back. And Every down back, 
Now, on every down back in a Sean McVay offense, hmm, hmm, we've had one of those before, haven't we? Hmm. I mean, hmm, pretty good guy. I think so. Oh. There was a time, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time in 27, 2018 when Todd Gurley was the center point of the offense. He was the engine that made everything go. Had him, you had him in the, the running game. You had him in the screen game. This opened up a whole lot of your deep game, by the way. I just want to point that out. It sounds a lot. I mean, it's, Sean McVay is known to give props as players, but to, to single out Cam Makers here, I think it's a positive sign in terms of what, where this team thinks they are with him in the running game and then next year. Yeah, I think the fact that Cam can do it all, he can run, you know, I mean, we were looking at some stats earlier, I was, you know, he has been able to carry it, you know, a lot of times in a game, almost near 30. So he has the ability to be durable. But again, a guy like Barry Sanders got a lot of touches, didn't get hit a lot. So Cam has that ability, you know, coming out of college. So as they transition now to him, as we've seen a lot of flash, especially down the stretch, a guy who can carry it. I saw him getting up after some hits and kind of laughing, going back to the huddle. You like that in the back. He has that ability to put it in that second gear, get in that open field, make some guys miss, make it happen. Uh, Probably needs a um, and I think maybe that was holding back a little bit, but catching it out the backfield. But you get a guy at the helm, Matt Stafford, who's able to now take pressure off, you know, hitting some guys downfield. Now when we give the guy the ball, it's a little bit more running room. Now he's got more running room. Now it's easier to get it downfield. So now the offense actually works like it's supposed to. Then it goes back and looks like, oh, okay, this is the McVeigh that we knew went to the Super Bowl. So I just think that, you know, now with Cam, he'll be another year older. He learned a lot more. It's nothing like playing. You know, my rookie year, I got a chance to play or start, you know, almost four games down the stretch at the end of the year, my rookie year. And from my beginning of the rookie year, just playing special teams and some dime and nickel and going here, going in here and there, when you actually get to see it live, and in action, it's totally different. Even if you're making some mistakes here and there, you're like, okay, and you learn from those. And now just it puts you in a different frame of mind. You now are settled into actually being a pro. I tell this all the time that, you know, I came in when you literally are playing against guys you watched growing up. At least for me, I was kind of like, hey, man, they're such and such. Wow, man, we're on the same field today, man. This is a trip, man. Look mm-hmm. at my body. So, uh, I don't know if, you know, other guys do that. That was just me. But then you get in there and once you're, you know, a bona fide starter, you kind of go, okay, well, now it's it's kind of my show, if you will. So I would expect Cam Akers, again, that line is going to be another year older as far as most of those younger players. And again, you get a veteran quarterback who's able to do a few more things for you. It makes it easier for everybody. I also look at you have a, a receiving core, a tight end core, even if you lose a couple guys that is is very good. It's not perfect, but it's very good. An offensive line that's solid. It's all about the money right now for the Rams. It's about the money and how you really adjust this coaching staff as well. Do we I think we can go back to twenty nineteen and think chemistry was a bit was a bit of a problem there as well for twenty nineteen. That team the twenty nineteen twenty nineteen team was loaded. For, I mean, in my view, on paper more talented than the twenty twenty team. But they didn't mesh at all. And we saw it. We saw it. And so can you make this roster come together? Can you find the chemistry you need over the course of the entire season? And we don't know yet. You have a lot of of financial stuff to wiggle around with. You have that you have to wiggle around with. But you don't necessarily have the flexibility to wiggle around with you want to. You have to make do with a roster that was built to have a lot more financial room than it will thanks to COVID and thanks to the idiocy of the NFL office for bringing the, the salary cap down you didn't need to. So uh, the, the challenges for this team are different than I thought they were a year ago. A year ago, we, you and I talked, we talked about how the Rams have to take their medicine, and they did. They took their medicine last year, and yeah. we saw a whole bunch of cap space coming up. 
With yeah, that. yeah. And now, due to COVID, and due to the to me inexplicable reasoning to me by the NFL to just to bring the salary cap down, I can see you not bringing it up. I can see you bringing not bringing it up, but you are making you have made mad cash. You've been in the black for years, big black in terms of profits. You can handle a year in the red and do just fine. It's inexplicable that you're going to actually bring the salary cap lower. And you, you know, so with those challenges, the Rams have a lot of issues they got to work out that brings everything into question. And I'm thankful that they have the guys they trust in certain spots, but you know, like the running back position, you know, they have their, they have stability. I think for the most part on the roster, but your gaps right now are huge, and I don't know that even if, um, even with a Rams staff in peak condition, that's been there for a couple of years and a roster that's flexible, that they'll be able to pull everything off. So I, I have a lot of concerns about this offseason, and I have a lot, and I have a lot of concerns about where they're going thanks to all these factors. But I can tell you that I do feel more comfortable about knowing that everything's key, all the key positions are stable, other than, of course, linebacker and edge. Right. But, you know, when I'm looking at the depth chart, right, you know, offensively, you go, yeah, we have, we have enough. Uh, again, are you going to have a super depth? No. But you have enough that if you don't get major injuries, you should be fine with an upgrade, in my opinion, at quarterback. So, again, stable at the running back position. Now, are they going to stick with those guys? But you got Malcolm, Cam, uh, young man, Xavier Jones, and then a Raymond Calise that, you know, again, is he going to play that much? I don't know. But you got those top two, top three guys that are that are thick there. You know, if I'm the Rams and we aren't able to sign Josh Reynolds, well, I'm just going to move Cooper Cuff to the slot. I'm going to put Van Jefferson up, and then you still have Mr. Webster and Mr. Jackson to back those guys up, bring in maybe a, a mid-round, low-round guy, maybe even a free, j- free agent or you know a, a seasoned veteran who can still play to now be your backup. So you got plenty at the tight end position. O-line is going to be pretty solid. You know, you got most of those guys coming back. I believe they got to re-sign Austin Blythe or not. But so I, I think overall, offensively, you're looking good. But to your point, yeah, edge rusher, we got to do something. Are we keeping Troy? Are we keeping, you know, our safety, John Johnson? Because, you know, it's that's going to be a tough one. But to your point earlier, a couple shows back, Rams have always found a way somehow renegotiate, cut some guy over there, do something to make sure you keep someone, you know, one of those guys. I don't know. I can't remember. Did you decide if you had to pick between Troy and John, who are you going with? Oh, I'm going with John. We did. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Been a long week. I know. (laughs) It's we do. We talk about, I mean, I, and I still think that's the case. I just, I do think, Troy would probably be a little bit cheaper at this point. The way I'm seeing the market come up for for John, I mean, it's it's looking pretty tougher than to keep him. And it was a really interesting quote. I forget who gave it. I, I saw it somewhere, but pretty much along the lines of every coach around the league understands the value of, say, a free safety, but the GMs don't quite understand the value of it. I'm paraphrasing. And you being a safety at one point, in your career, I mean, I'm sure you get that. The, to me, the, the safeties, the free safety and, safety and strong safety are bring so much value, especially when they know and understand their role in coverage, and they're not just box safeties. It changes everything. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Free safety, for the most part, is a little bit more of the general on defense. Uh, obviously if you're playing safe, you got to know both. So you kind of are both, but because strong safety, we're down in the box a little bit more free safety's up on top. Free safety's probably going to be on average. Most teams, your better cover 
safety out of the two, uh, unless you just get two dynamic dudes that can do it. Uh, usually one is better at one and the other is better at the other. But typically your free safety is a little bit more of your quarterback of the defense, as they say. And so, yeah, you know, when he's playing that position, you you got to be able to, you know, make sure guys are in the right spot or you got to be the eraser and cover up for guys who, you know, made him make a mistake. But John, he played, it seemed like a lot in the box as well. So, you know, he can make tackles in the open field, make those plays in the deep half, get everybody set up as well. So I just know when your corner says, that's the reason why I played so well, that says a lot from a guy who's been a Pro Bowl corner. I mean, and that's to me a big deal. And I also look at Jordan Fuller. You know, where are the where are the Rams without him this last year? Yeah, yeah. We saw what happened when Taylor Rapp stepped in his place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's yeah, there's was... so much of that. Right. All right, so folks, it is getting late, and I gotta be honest. Not my best talking night, so I'm going to cut it a little short here. I do want to point out to you that with the league year starting tomorrow, this is when things will start to hit the fan. We'll start seeing possibly some free agent moves. As they happen, we'll be back. At least me. I know Mike's getting busy with football starting up. Yay, football! Woo! Okay, so um, we'll be back with you as the as the Rams turn. I feel like as that, the old, Rams as turn. that old as the world turns. Thing with I love the it. globe. <laughs> but yeah. as the Rams turn, hopefully we're seeing the answers come into place and it's gonna be time for us to start previewing the draft here soon. So yes, it is. I mean it's it is coming. It is coming. So with all that, we'll get out of here. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at one duke23. You can find us as a whole at Talk Rams on Twitter. Also, the Facebook group is t- is the Rams Talk group or Rams Talk Room, sorry. And of course the Rams Talk page is there as well. Of course, go to ramstalk.net to look what our writers are doing. They do a phenomenal job. And all that said, time to get out of here. Have a great one. Have a good one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.